And the first psalm, please turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. And you are making choices, and we're all making choices about, about how we live our lives. Um, and so this, this psalm starts off, Ashrei ha'ish, blessed is the man. Now the word, the, the word, the word ashrei comes from the verb ashar, which means to go straight ahead. Probably the best way to translate it is an expression from the 60s, which was some of you might remember, and some of you who have seen movies from the 60s will, 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 will certainly recall, right on. That's what it means. Right on is the man. Everybody say, right on is the man. Right on is the man. Now specifically, he says, right on is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now in past weeks, we've discussed verb tense. In Hebrew, verb tense, at least in biblical, in the language used in the scriptures, Verb tense is more important for, uh, for the reflection of the type of action rather than the time of the action. If you were, and, and the verbs in this verse occur in, occur in the perfect tense. Uh, if, if you were to translate it literally, if you saw this, if you saw this scripture out of its text, if you just saw the sentence by itself without, without a context, you would translate it, How blessed is the man... Or right on is the man who has not walked in the counsel of the ungodly. That wouldn't make sense uh, because, because he, he's, he's giving counsel and, and, and wisdom as the context of the passage unfolds. But he says, but, but the perfect tense it, uh, talks about action that is, that is in a point of time. The, the imperfect tense gives linear action. So, it's, so, it's, so the action of the verb is spread out, it's ongoing, it, 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 it is repeated again and again and again. And so by using, by using the perfect tense, the psalmist is saying something, that the psalmist under the inspiration of the Spirit of God is basically being, is talking about that the, the man, the right on man, is making a decisive choice. Right on is the man who does not decisively choose and aim his step into the counsel of the wicked. Rashaim are those people who are completely hostile to God. They hate God. They despise God. They have no place for God in their lives. They have no place for the counsel of God. They have, they, they have no place for the love of God. They have, the idea is, I can take it on my own. I am God. That's what wickedness is. And so it says, happy or right on is the man who does not make that choice. It's not describing people who are being blown aside and kind of drift from one thing to one thing to the other. He's describing people who make a conscious choice as reflected by the perfect tense of the verb to walk, halach. They're making a conscious choice to step in the counsel of those people who are hostile to God. Now, I want you to know most of us say, well, I didn't really know. This text is going to go on and say that you may, when we rebel against God and defy God, we have done so consciously. That there are two clear-cut choices. There are two clear-cut paths. We have made a choice. The one who, the, the, the one who is not right on and, and, the, and the sense of prosperity and success 
that is implied here is the sense of, of finishing what is started and doing something that is worthwhile. It, is, it starts off with saying, I'm created in the image of God. I'm not just plopped down here just to kind of drift around and float around and every time the wind blows, I move that way. But, but, the, but the, person, the person who is right on, the one who's being described here and who is, who, who's, who's, being, who's, who's being held up here is a person who says, I've got a purpose. The person who understands the words of Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I put an eternity of thought into your life. And I knew you and I gifted you to be a prophet to the nations or a singer or whatever gift God has placed into your life. I have gifted you. You're here for a reason. You have Mishalot, as Psalm 37.4 says. You have Mishalot in your heart that I put there. You have cries. You have prayers. There's something crying out inside. There's something inside that's got to get out. And God put it there. It's a spiritual gift. It is a calling. It is, God, it is God's print and God's stamp on your life. And we are accountable for how we live. The more talents and the more gifts we have, the more accountability we have. And he says, right on is the man who chooses, who does not choose to take a decisive step in the direction of wickedness and rebellion against God, but who treasures the creation of God and what God has put into our lives. And I know that, in, in, that the children and teens, you're making decisions right now about where you're going to go in your life. And I want you to know that God has put something in you. We've been talking about this a lot lately. The Lord has really drilled it into my heart, into my spirit to emphasize it. That you are making choices on how you are going to spend your life. And there is a calling that God has on you. And He's put Mishalot. It is, it is, it, it, the form means the ongoing cry of the heart. There's something ongoing. There's a cry in your heart. And, and you will never be you until you satisfy that. And the only way you can satisfy that is in terms of relationship with God, the God who put it there in the first place. And so he says, right on is the man who does not walk in the counsel of people who say, you have no accountability to God. You're a free agent. You know, you have your choice to make God dance and sing and perform like a clown or a dancing bear every, every, every day of your life. And so, so therefore, God, I'm not going to serve you unless you do this or that or the other thing. It's the other way around. And what's more, the only way you will be right on and the only way your life will count and the only way there's any satisfaction or accomplishment or achievement or fulfillment in your life is when you recognize your accountability to God and the reason you are accountable to Him is because you are responding to the One who loves you so desperately that He sent His Son, the Messiah, and laid down His life and poured out His blood as an atonement. He took the bullet for you so that you'd be free. We don't understand freedom. We, we think the further away we get from God, the freer we are. The opposite is true. The further we are away from God, the more powerless we are. And we need the God who breathes life into us. And so he says, right on is the man who, who does not take steps in the counsel of the wicked. 
The world tells us, listen, you can make it on your own. You know, don't tithe, buy a new car. It doesn't matter. You're lonely, so it doesn't matter whom you hang out with. It doesn't matter. The, all, the, all the evil things in the world are just alternative lifestyles. That's the, that's the, that's the counsel. Atzat. Rashaim. The counsel of the wicked. And that's why he says, right on is the man who does not walk, who takes a decisive step, who decisively does not walk there. He says, that's the path of the wicked. I will, I will avoid there. I'm not going there. Because when you choose to take, this, to take decisive steps in the path of the ungodly, you're then, you're, you cannot help the next step. The momentum carries you to a standstill. It's interesting. Happy is the man, or right on is the man, who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners. And the verb that is used there are people who have missed the mark. They've missed the mark themselves. How in the world can they tell you how to live? And you think that if I take that step, we think the, 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 the counsel of the ungodly tells us that if I go... That, that, that if I go away from God, I, my life gains momentum. That's not what happens. The opposite is true. He says you take the step, you're walking, but then your, your life grinds to a halt. And you are standing in the path of, the, of, of, of sinners. People who are off target. And the verb is again in the perfect tense. You are decisively standing there. You cannot move. You are locked. It is as if you, your, feet are, or your feet are sunken into concrete. You cannot move. People get away from God and they say, I don't know how to find my way back. I'm lost. People get away from their quiet time with God and their intimate personal relationship. We find excuses not to pray. We find reasons not to pray. Other things, other things come into our lives. We don't worship. We don't spend time in the Word. And then we say, why is it God seems so far away? That is obvious. We haven't known Him. The, the, the verse from, uh, everyone li- people love to quote Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, in the English t- translation, the mo- most popular one, is acknowledge Him. Literally, the verb is know Him intimately. When you stop getting an intimate knowledge of God, you grow apart from Him. And after a while, you wonder where His voice went. Now, the good news is, He's ready to reach out and pull us back. Right on is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat. Again, it's in the, it's, it, it, it is in the, it's in the perfect tense. It is, a, it is, it is that you, you can't even stand on your feet anymore. You're standing there. You've lost all momentum. And so now you're sitting in the seat or dwelling in the, dwell, or, or dwelling, in the dwelling. You've made it your home. In the dwelling of the scoffer. And the scoffer in the Scriptures, if you read the Proverbs and the Psalms, the scoffer is the most tragic person in Scripture. He's tragic because the only way, he has no joy. He has, there's no reason to live. He's so bitter and so sour 
He's so, he's so, so empty of any kind of joy. The only way he can get a buzz, the only way he can bring a smile or a smirk is by making fun of people who have something to live for. Making fun of people who believe there's a purpose for life. Making fun of people who say, I need God. And the good news is, I need God and He's here. He's available. He's a, all I have to do is call on Him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. You will find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I tell you, if you, were, if, if you defy God and run away from Him, you will end up in the home of the scoffer. The retirement home of the scoffer. Because that's, that's where you will retire and spend your, the rest of your life if you aren't careful, if you don't wake up. Now verse 2, the very first word, it's a very small word, is consistently mistranslated in the Bible. Because if, 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 if most of you look at the little word at the beginning of verse 2, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's not that word. It's the word key. It is the word because. And that's the only way. He's telling us not only what the other choice is, he's telling you the way to avoid the first one described is by following in the path of the second. Because his delight, kasol, his delight is in the law of the Lord. I want you to know something. That is a far cry from the way most of us Look at the Scriptures. We think of the Scriptures as, oh boy, it's my religious obligation. Or, you know, I've got to impress everybody, so let me, let me learn the Bible so I can quote. Khrushchev memorized the Gospels as a kid. He memorized the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He could quote them verbatim. In Russian, I'm sure. But didn't change his life. Although there are stories that at the very end, the reason they dumped him is that he, he accepted the Messiah. We don't know that. But there was a mechanical, the teachers required him to memorize the, the, the scriptures. But it says, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. The instruction of the Lord. Understand what the real meaning of the word law is. It is instruction. God wants you to know how to live. Without God, all we know is how to die. We need Him to teach us how to live. And He wants to tell us how to live. He wants to tell us how to live. He sees people struggling and people in misery and people, people who, are, who have nothing left in life but scoffing. And His heart goes out because He created you and He created me for something so much greater than that. He created us to walk with Him in the words of the prophets on the heights of the earth. To go up and, 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 and walk with God. And to share the experiences of God. The eighth psalm says, says, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you've ordained, ma'enosh, what is man? Literally, what is the sickly, weak thing that, that, that you remember him, that you, that you keep remembering him? Or the son of man, Ben Adam, the son of the dirt. That you bring a visitation on Him. We can't do anything for God. What in the world can I do for God that He can't do better Himself? 
The angels can sing better. And man, when they dance, I was, I was enjoying watching God dance. When the angels dance, they do flips in the air. They do all kinds of things. When they sing, you know, I, I mean, um, you know, I, I mean, there is no CD that can capture the quality of their music. What in the world can we do? We're weak and sickly and, and, and sons and daughters of the dirt. And he says, yet, you have made him a little lower than God. Some translations say the angels, but it says Elohim, and the Bible says we'll judge angels. I think maybe it's him a little lower than God, higher than the angels. Not because of what we can do for him. Not because of our talents. Because God, in a sovereign decision, in a sovereign decision, chose to love us. He just did it. I don't know why. I don't know why. I cannot understand why God loves me. You probably can't either. <laughs> and you probably, if you're, if you're honest, you can't figure out why God loves you. But he does. And so it's his instruction. And God gives instruction on how to live. He comes and he tells us in, in his word who he is. Who He is. He wants us to know our Father. He wants us to know our Father. I used to love to spend time. My, my, dad, my dad was a salesman. And he often would, would work 100 hours or more a week. And so I treasured when he'd say, Hey, Jeff, let's, let, why don't you come spend the day with me? And we'd, we'd dr- drive around. And I'd get to find out about my dad. And he'd talk about his feelings about my mom. And, 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 and in that, he, he taught me so much about life just by getting to know him. Not everybody has a father. Not everybody's had a relationship to, to, like that. But you can have a relationship with God. He is the real father. My physical dad had faults and flaws. My heavenly dad has none. And what's more, I'm created in his image. I'm created in His image. And so God unfolds, He unfolds the curtains of heaven and allows us to see Him and it's His instruction. And by learning who He is, I learn who I am. His delight is in the instruction of the Lord. And in His law, He meditates day and night. He meditates. The verb literally means to mutter, to muse. It doesn't mean you sit on the bus and make weird noises. It means... It means that you just treasure every word, every thought, every, every subtlety, every nuance. And in His law, He meditates day and night. And the payoff is this. Verse 3 is the way God created us to live. You want to know what God wants you to turn, to turn, turn out to be? He shall be like a tree. Firmly planted beside streams of water. Trees are the foundation of, 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 of all the plants of, of, of the field. Because they go down and they, they put their roots down and they stabilize the soil. Now, in order for a tree to thrive, it's got to be close to the water. And the water, the streams of, 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 of water, are, are sources of water that, that are flowing and alive and refreshing. It is not a picture of a desert. 
Messiah is described as coming as a root out of dry ground. Because that's the way the life that he came, the world that he came to redeem had become. But God's plan for us is to be like a tree firmly planted beside streams of, streams of water that gives forth its fruit in its season. And the verb there that is used there to give its fruit is in the imperfect tense, which means it gives and 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 it is responsive. And God's intention is for more than for you to exist. God didn't put you here just to exist. God put you here to be fruitful, to thrive. And the only way you will thrive is if you get close to God and intimate with Him. It brings forth its fruit in its season. It gives its fruit in its season. That's literally the verb. It gives. We tend to think about life as what we can get. And God says that when you're thriving, you're giving. I did the funeral yesterday for, 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 for Christina Zico. And uh, I, in the time that I spent around her, I found this to be true. But one of the things that people kept saying about her was she was a giver. You know, she, I, I, I called her the night before she died. Prayed with her and I, you could swear that I was the sick one. But she was a giver. When, when God, when God is filling you with Himself, he, fl- he begins to fill you up and flow out of you into the lives of others. It isn't what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out. And in some cases, what defiles people is the fact that nothing is coming out. You're never giving anything to anybody. There is no response. Nobody knows you are here because you made no attempt to impact the lives of anybody else. Be like a tree firmly planted beside streams of water, brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither. One of the wonderful promises that God, that God made in, in Leviticus 26, when He gave the blessings and, and, and the curses, He said that if we would obey Him, the result would be we'd, be, we, we, we'd just be bringing in the old harvest when it's time to make room for the new. That there's just this abundance. That's the way, that's the way God does it. 23rd Psalm. My cup overflows. Bring, he says, see if I, in, 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 in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Prove me in this and see if I do not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that overflows. And I will rebuke the devourer. And that's quite a combo there. Because the because the, the the devourer is no longer around to gobble up what comes, and then God just keeps pouring out more and more and more. That's the heart of God. He will be like a tree firmly planted beside streams of water, brings forth its fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. And that's what God wants you. That's what God wants you. That's what He wants for you to be someone who just. His Spirit, His presence, His power, 
His goodness, His love, His mercy and compassion are bubbling up and flowing out of you into the lives of others. It's rare to find individuals like that. But do you know when you've got a congregation like that, you know what you have? You don't just have a tree. You've got a forest. And God wants Sha'arei Yeshua to be a forest of people filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the knowledge of who God is, refusing to take decisive steps in the path of the, of the, and in the counsel of people who hate God, but instead make the opposite choice. I will walk in the steps. I will choose to delight in the law of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord, and meditate in His Word day and night. And when we, and, and when, and, and I imagine, I've often tried to imagine this, but if Sha'are Yeshua and the Messianic movement and the body of Messiah were to become a forest of people like this, a forest of trees firmly planted beside the streams of water, the water of God, bringing forth their fruit in season with, with our leaves not withering or wasting away, we will change the world. They can't say, well, Adrian's just a nice person. You know, she's, she, she's just unusual. Or, or Ron is just a nice person. You know, it, you know it's, just kind of a, it's just kind of a blip on the screen. But when there is a congregation, when there is a movement, when there is the body of Messiah, when you get a forest of people like that, the world can't deny the, the reality of it that Yeshua is the one who brings people to life. And He's the one who, who when He sets people free, they are really free. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. You have no other choice. You're either a tree or nothing. You're a tree or chaff. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. God has a picture, a dream, a vision for you. You can deny it. You can. There are people. There are, there are people who seem very religious and very spiritual who deny the goodness of God for them. They deny it. They deny it. They say. It based their, they base their attitude toward God on their past experience or the actions of people around them. And so, so they'll, they'll refuse to acknowledge the, the genuine agenda of God for your life. That's like walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You're denying. You're denying the revelation of God's character that we find in His Word. You cannot say you believe the truth about God and deny His heart, which He reveals in His Word. You cannot be religious and say, but God can't forgive me. You cannot be, be godly and, and, and deny the heart of God the Father for you. You can't do it. You're being fake. You're being phony. Ashrei Ha'ish, right on is the man who chooses decisively not to walk on the counsel of the ungodly. 
nor stand in the path of those who have missed the mark, nor sit in the seat or dwell in the dwelling of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree planted beside streams of water. I'd like to challenge each of you to determine in the context of your relationship with God. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise raise a hand. You can raise a hand and make a show for me and walk out and not do a thing to follow through. But I'd like to challenge everybody here to go to God and say, God, as you empower me, I want to be the first tree of the forest. I'd like to start I'd like to ask you to start planting a forest in Indianapolis. A forest, Lord God, that that, that changes the world. A forest, a forest that changes the city. And there's gotta be Lord, if there needs to be the first tree, here I am. Plant me and push my roots deep. This evening we're going to celebrate Messiah's Yiskor, the memorial of the act by which God was able to, uh, to, to, to renew, restore his wonderful intent toward us. I'd like to ask those who are going to serve to do so at this time.